Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today, I've got Himesh Patel. The British actor makes his feature film debut this week in the Danny Boyle-directed and Richard Curtis-written rom-com Yesterday. Himesh plays Jack, an aspiring singer-songwriter who wakes up from an accident and finds that he's the only person in the world who knows about the Beatles. He goes on to become an international rock star by singing all the hits by the Beatles, which he claims are his own. Lily James co-stars as his manager and love interest. I sat down with Himesh at the Sunset Marquee, the legendary rock and roll hotel in West Hollywood, where he talked about acting opposite Ed Sheeran, yep, he's in Yesterday too, playing a superhero someday, and so much more. It's all coming up today on The Big Ticket. Stick around. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. And we're back. I'm your host, Mark Malkin, and this is Himesh Patel. So are you an actor who really wants to be a singer or a singer who really wants to be an actor? <laughs> no, an, a- an actor who, uh, who got to play a singer. A yeah. <laughs> and how much guitar experience did you have? I've been trying to teach myself for yeah. about 12, 13 years on a really, you know, 
cheap electric guitar <laughs> and strat strat knockoff um and uh, i played piano for about three years before that but uh, you know i wasn't any sort of and still i'm not any sort of virtuoso on either mu- uh, instrument did you have to sort of speed up your training did they put you in like boot camp for guitar yes. and piano we did a two-month kind of thing we, we made this room at the offices to look like jack's bedroom posters on the wall and a piano and a wurlitzer and a record player and a uh, bed that I never had time to sleep on. <laughs> and uh, Daniel Pemberton, our composer, drafted in his friend Arde Milhan, who's also a composer and um, a brilliant musician. And he came in and we spent two months in this room wow. kind of drilling guitar, drilling piano, you know, vocal um, exercises, and obviously getting to know the songs and learning the songs. And then the main kind of thing was to shape the songs in into a new mold because of mm-hmm. course they don't exist in the narrative you can't just carbon copy them because right. as well as jack might know them he has no reference point right. he can't exactly copy the songs so that was the interesting and and fun part was kind of learning the chords getting it to a basic level and then crafting it into something else which mm. which meant kind of taking it to danny danny giving us notes and then kind of um, it landing you had to sing Beatles songs. The Beatles. Yeah. The most iconic songs of all time. Yeah. What was it like the first time on set having to do that? I mean, were you just like, wait a minute? Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> surreal. But I guess uh, by the time I'd done it on set, we'd had th- this two month prep period. And I felt like I had some sort of ownership over our versions of the songs. Mm. Um, so that it did feel like we were giving them something new. Right, because you got to make sure that it doesn't sound like karaoke. Exactly, and that's what Danny didn't <laughs> right. want at all. He wanted it to sound fresh. He wanted it to sound new. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of quite glad that we managed to, to pull that one off, I think. And when did Ed Sheeran come into play? He came into <laughs> play not long after I was cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, because originally it was Chris Martin... In, oh, I didn't in, realize in, that. Yeah. Wow. In the first draft I read, it was a very early draft, but mm-hmm. it was Chris Martin. And what happened there? He he said he couldn't do it. He you know, he was he was just off tour. He right. kind of just wanted to, you know, and play so, music. <laughs> yeah. So um uh, and then they asked Ed. Wow. And Ed was like, Of course I'm gonna do it, you know, look, this film's kind of, you know, a familiar story of mm-hmm. a guy from Suffolk who <laughs> becomes the biggest star in the world. So you know, I think Ed was actually like, why didn't you ask me in the first place? Um, <laughs> and he had to have some sort of uh, sense of humor and self-awareness. Yeah. Because especially the, there's the scene where the two of you are competing who could write the best song. <laughs> and obviously he gets quite upset. You write the best song. It happens to be a Beatles song, but... <laughs> he's brilliant. He's got such a great sense of humor. He's very nice to be around. And, and I think he's put in a really great performance in this film. That scene especially, I think. There were moments when we were filming that scene where I was watching him and I was like, wow, you're really, he was really relaxed. <laughs> he was just kind of giving a great performance. And I was like, wow, man, like he's really, yeah, he's really great. <laughs> and then um, what's going to happen when you see Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh, because of the so uh, there's a, there is impossible, a, other impossible situations. Yeah, impo- there was, um, you, you're a struggling musician. Um, you want to give up and your manager played by Lily James yeah. is saying, you know, you said it would be a miracle. A miracle would have to happen, And you yeah. said, well, you know, miracles do happen. Benedict Cumberbatch became a <laughs> sex symbol. So uh, what are you going to say to Benedict? It, you know, funnily enough, 
the first thing we shot in this movie, we had to come to LA and do the Late Late Show section with James Corden. And we got on a plane, me, Danny, Richard, the crew, who we were taking over. And um, Danny uh, came and said, uh, Benedict's down in first class. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. And Danny obviously knows Benedict. He did play with Benedict. Right. And uh, he was off on his Avengers press tour. Um, we were like, that's strange. Did you, Have you told him? Did, you, did you tell him that he was mentioned in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he did, but um, uh, I've been told that he has a very good sense of humor. He does. So he's, uh, he's. Um, I'm sure he'll find it very funny. Um, yeah. And talk to me about Lily James. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's so, so lovely and and fun to be around. She's got a great, you know, great sense of humor. She she was really brilliant to be around and she's a fantastic actress and the chemistry between the two is really great i mean yeah, you well, see it from the beginning it's easy to get along with her you know yeah. like she, she's she's fun to work with because no take is the same mm. you know she she'll give you something different and then you kind of go oh cool i'll play with that you know it's fun it's she's a really brilliant actress and and it was my first feature film she's done so much great work you know some really great work and and so to work with her and just kind of, she just leads by example, you know, and I was just kind of learning from everything she was doing. Obviously, you have experience acting EastEnders for quite a long time. But what was it like working on set for your first feature film? Yeah, it was, it was kind of mad. <laughs> what was great was that I had that period of, of preparation yeah. and it was at the London offices. Mm. So in between, you know, when I got sick of trying to learn a song that I wasn't quite <laughs> getting right, I'd just go make, make a cup of tea in the kitchen and then walk up to the offices and kind of check in with what everyone was right. doing, you know, in the locations department or, you know, in the costume department and just kind of get to know all that stuff, which comes from my time at EastEnders. I really love doing that there as well, where you just kind of go and see all these people who are really working hard, you mm. know, behind the scenes to make this all happen. It's nice to kind of go and hang out with them and kind of just see, you know, what's what's going on, how's it going? And it was really fascinating to see the journey of it right. all. So by the time you get to set, you, I felt a little less intimidated right. by what was happening because um, I knew so many of the people, and there was already a bit of camaraderie there. So. so when you when you sign the contract, does the contract say, "Oh, by the way, you're going to be performing at CinemaCon, Tribeca Film Festival, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tower Records building in LA"? Yeah, did yeah. you know this all came with it? Uh, not specifically. No, <laughs> no one told me that I'd be doing Caesar's Palace, um, but yeah, there you go. It happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. I knew you and, that you and Celine Dion. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, um, that's one for the for the gravestone. Um, does does this inspire you to want to pursue a music career? I don't know if it does. I think mm -hmm. you know I'm an actor. At the end of the day, I've, I've just been gifted this amazing opportunity to right. do things like you know like that. But it's given me a confidence. I've always loved music. I've mm -hmm. always loved you know playing music however little I played it when I was a you know when I was a kid and um and singing and I found my confidence again with it I've you know I I'm proud of of the work that I put into to get you know a lot better at guitar and get a lot better at piano and you know I found that within myself too that right. I can do you know I can apply myself and do these things so I don't want to lose it and you know I'd, I'd like to just kind of carry on and maybe make some music just for myself you know um, so you're a leading man with of South Asian descent. Mm. How important is that to you for the world to see that? Very important. Yeah. I think at this point we still need to kind of, 
we do need to see that more. But what I'm proud of with this one is that that wasn't the aim. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they, they went, okay, but this is great, but we need to cast someone of a minority ethnicity in this role. Right. It was just the fact that they cast the net wide because, you know, they looked at the role and quite intelligently went, well, this role doesn't have to be played by, um, uh, you know, a white a heterosexual male. It could be played by anyone. So let's just kind of see. Mm. Um, and I think I believe they cast the net quite wide and, and I just happen to be the right guy for the for the part, which then in turn now changes the, the narrative in a way. Right. It's like, you know, well, a, a guy of my background can play a role like this. <laughs> um, I think that needs to happen more and more, really, you know. There's two ways of, of doing that. There are stories that are going to be told where that perspective is important, where a specific perspective is important and right. you have to think about how you cast that role. And there are roles like this where the, where the perspective isn't necessarily key Mm. that the role is could be open to to someone of any background really so um yeah it, the, the changes are positive i think um but the conversation is is happening and continues to happen it should continue to happen because that's the only way that things change and then there's you know the importance of a little kid looking up on that screen and going he looks like me completely i mean look when i was growing up it was like a handful of people you'd see on telly and it would be, you know, this thing that was kind of a joke amongst people of minority ethnicity of kind of like you're watching the telly and it's like, oh my God, I'm dad, there's a brown guy on TV. You know, it's big right. news. It's big news. But it's it's happening more and more. And, you know, that generation inspired my generation to go out and pursue it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, and hopefully our generation can, can kind of redefine uh, what our place in the industry is and and then that'll in turn kind of galvanize the next generation to not settle for anything less than um, what the you know what the generation above has kind of got so. do you feel pressure of a responsibility to be that role model to be to make sure you know I feel the responsibility yeah. but I'm not sure if I feel the pressure of it you know mm-hmm. it's not something that I look on as a burden it's it's a responsibility you you, you have it and you um, and you know, it's a privileged position to be in. Right. You know, and uh, I think I'd like to use it well. And then let's talk about. So you get into this accident, obviously, mm. in the movie. You wake up from this accident. The world has forgotten about the Beatles, but you also wake up um, from this accident, and you're missing some teeth. Yes, <laughs> which is really hard to look at <laughs> when you first open your mouth. Did you ever like walk off set with that look? <laughs> I didn't uh, because I, you know, I couldn't eat food when I had uh, when I had that those teeth in, but it was kind of crazy. I remember I sent a photo, I think to my sister or someone, when I first put them in, and she was like, "I don't want to see that. That's horrible. I thought something had happened to you." Like, you know, it's amazing. This guy, this guy Chris Lyons, he runs this company out of this little like bungalow in mm-hmm. on the outskirts of London. And you look him up on IMDb, he's done everything. Right. He's done every show that requires any sort of, you know, d- broken teeth or <laughs> fangs or something like that, you know? It's incredible. As well. And I was like, wow. I, I hated looking at myself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I love the fact that they didn't fix your teeth right away. It went with the character, obviously, because, you know, he's this working guy. Yeah. He doesn't have the money to fix the no, teeth. No, yeah, yeah. But that they kept it for a while. There were a few scenes where I was like, when are they going to fix his teeth? But it just well, there's a, the, the, the scene where he plays yesterday and realizes that he's, you know, he doesn't have any teeth for any of that. And I was a bit like, does it look a bit too silly? It's supposed to be quite a moment, isn't it? And uh, Danny was like, no, it's, it's you've got to keep the teeth. What kind of director is Danny Boyle? He's uh, an inspiring, energetic, and collaborative director. 
you know he's um he's with you the whole every step of the way he's mm -hmm. he's feeling it with you you know he's 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 he's, he's so so vibrant mm -hmm. and youthful yeah. you know and uh that comes across in his work of course but it's such a privilege to have worked with him and and felt that that connection that mm -hmm. he that he gives you um you know when we were filming the scene at Liverpool Lime Street he was getting emotional you know when he mm -hmm. came to give us a note you could tell he was feeling that pain with us wow and that's something that you you, you might not get from everyone so it's been a really really privileged thing to work with Danny so have you heard from Paul or Ringo I haven't no I think Danny's heard from Ringo yeah I think Ringo's seen it and he's said some nice things and Danny's also heard from Olivia George's widow and um and she said some very nice things, which means the world, you know, really, that's, uh, it's obviously you want to connect with people right. and we're, we're glad we're now hearing that people really love the movie and that they feel joy and connection to it. But to hear it from someone like Olivia Harrison is something else entirely. I mean, it's really special. Well, I noticed in Vogue, there was a photo of you in Vogue and you're wearing Stella McCartney. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that was done on purpose, or was it yeah, just kind like of. You, you're like, oh, I like those pants, and they're like, by the way, they're Stella McCartney. Well, I had this thing, you know, when I when when I started thinking about the publicity route for this whole thing. As actors, you know, you kind of go and you have the privilege of being, you know, people giving you clothes to wear right. or various things, photo shoots and that kind of thing. But I, I've always had a thing for the fashion industry, the ethics of the fashion industry. We need to be a lot more responsible in that sense, and um, you know, if if you're going to be working with brands or you're going to be kind of dressed by brands, that kind of thing, then I'd like to do it with brands who are conscious of that kind of right. ethical choice. And I, you know, I had read into Stella McCartney and her work and she does amazing work in that way. Obviously, you know, because it runs in her blood to right. have some consciousness about the world. But um, yeah, so that's kind of, it was a conscious choice and, and I wore her clothes to the London premiere the other day that's and awesome. to Tribeca as well. So, yeah. Have you heard from Stella? I haven't heard from Stella herself, but, you know, thank you, Stella, if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, and then just some fun questions. When was the last time you cried watching a movie? Last time I cried watching a movie? And you're not allowed to say your own in the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I was just so good. I cried. Um, I tell you, the one I can remember, there was a, be there's a beautiful animated film called The Song of the Sea. Mm -hmm. It's an Irish um, animated movie. And um, it was one of those where I, I, towards the end of the film, there was a, a beautiful moment. And it wasn't, I wasn't even doing that thing where you're crying, you know, where you're, you've just got tears running down your cheeks. I was like on the verge of like sobbing, crying, mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's the last time I remember. What, what, what was it about? What was the It's about this kid you? and like his, they, he loses his mum, uh -huh. you know, and it, it's these kids kind of, you know, and their dad and their yeah, I need to watch it again. Actually, are you a crier in movies? Yeah, when it gets me, it really yeah. does. Sometimes it's it's the oddest moments. Like uh, probably you know three of my favorite movies are the Before trilogy, Richard Linklater's, and that first movie. You've gone on this journey with these two people, and then he he takes you to all the locations where they were right. in Vienna throughout mm -hmm. the day, and they're not there anymore. It's the morning after, and they've left. And it floored me. I remember when I watched mm. it first, I was like, "That's you're killing me. Like, I can't. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because it's the exact shot, but mm. it's the morning and they're not there anymore. Right. And it, I, it really got to me, yeah. 
Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Himesh talks Batman and why he'd love to play a superhero. I've got one word for you. Tom Cruise. On this new weekly podcast, Meeting Tom Cruise, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. We're going to talk to people who have met Tom Cruise. Why? Because Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. Is he, though? Shut your mouth. Everyone who has met him has an amazing story to tell. And that's where I met Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. When I hear the bathroom door open, and it's Tom Cruise. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeff Meacham. You might know me as Josh Openhold from TV's Blackish, and I'm here with the Goose to my Maverick. Hey, I'm Joel Johnstone, and you might know me as Archie on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisie. And I'm Alex. Lev, and you might. No, no one knows you from anything. Listen, we love Tom Cruise. We are inspired by Tom Cruise. But while we live and work in Hollywood, we've never actually met Tom Cruise. So we're going to talk to some people who have, and maybe one of them will lead us to the man himself, so we can have our own stories of meeting Tom Cruise. Does it really have to just be about Tom Cruise? Shut up! Why are you here? Listen to Meeting Tom Cruise on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're back with more Himesh Patel. Speaking of movies you can watch over and over again, what are some of the movies that you just, you're on it, you're flipping through the telly and yeah. you're like, that's on, I gotta watch it. Um, it, All of Richard Linklater's films, I guess. Um, I, the Dark Knight is one I could watch over and over Why again. Why is that? It was a huge film for me. Yeah. A really huge moment. I was 17 and it was coming out and... Yeah, it just kind of redefined what the blockbuster can be. Okay, so if you're going to play a superhero, who do you want to be? <laughs> Start pitching. Let's find a, let's find a brown superhero. Let's do it. Um, I think they're out there, right? Well, it doesn't have to be, you know. Let's it just, could be, an, could I be mean, anyone. Let's do that's it. also the thing with, with these superhero movies and the comics when people are like, well, he can't be this, he can't be that. I'm like, He's a superhero. He's a superhero. You can be Guy can fly, you know? You know? Yeah. Um, and I love what Stan Lee said about Spider-Man. He said right. every kid could relate to Spider-Man because they imagine themselves underneath, underneath the mask. Underneath the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what was so amazing about that Into the Spider-Verse yeah. movie was that, you know, it was all over, all over that. But yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about that kind of genre is it kind of, you know, when it, it's at its best, I think, when it's... um when it's saying something about the world. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what I loved about The Dark Knight, especially it was it was saying something about society. And, and another uh, another Brit's gonna be Batman. Robert I Pattinson. know, exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The Brits love that Batman. <laughs> it's funny, and we had, uh, you know, so many Brits playing the, the three most popular superheroes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's funny. And then, um, what's the movie that inspired you to be an actor? What's the movie that you remember watching going, I want to do that? Gosh, that's tough. I, I've i been told and I do remember watching Aladdin, the original Aladdin, mm -hmm. over and over again. And I just remember Robin Williams as the genie. Just mm. I, And apparently my sister tells me, my sister had to babysit me a lot, and she, <laughs> if she just put Aladdin on, I would just shut up. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't make a noise. And I just seem to remember that, you know. Because I was going, I was going boisterous and performative right. from a young age. That might have been part. But of that it. could just it's like your lullaby. Yeah, <laughs> but then you know. But you wouldn't sleep. You would just watch it. Exactly, <laughs> and then perform it for everyone. <laughs> Amesh, thank you so much. This thank you. Yeah. You know, great Thanks. movie. Just you know, I took my husband to see it the other night. Right. And you just walk out smiling. Yeah. You just can't, and it's a nice because you know there's a lot of dark content out there sure it's very easy to be cynical in this world mm -hmm. it's very easy to be just 
everything's a black cloud but you see something like this and you're like you know what yeah we could feel good oh it's that's great bad. that's very nice to hear that's kind of what so, we wanted so, yeah. so congratulations thank you very awesome. much thanks that was yesterday's star Hamesh Patel the movie is in theaters on June 29th now coming up next week get ready to be frightened because I'm chatting with Jack Rayner star of the upcoming horror thriller Midsommar from hereditary writer and director Ari Aster We talk scary movies, going full frontal, and more. Don't forget, a new episode of The Big Ticket drops every Thursday at iHeartRadio or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And remember to follow me on Twitter at Mark Malkin. See you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.